Welcome to the Retaining Wit Podcast. I'm Josie Haynes. And I'm Jordana Kwok. This show tackles the challenges of keeping women in tech. Each episode, we discuss current events, experiences in the industry, and what it takes to create a workplace where women will thrive. Great to finally see you again. It's been over three years. Yeah. Hey, Josie. It's nice to see you again. What have you been up to? Oh, it's been, what, three years? So many, many things, definitely since the pandemic started. And we're still not out of the pandemic, technically. There have been a lot of changes. Uh, How about you? Yeah, lots of changes. And definitely still not out of the pandemic. My uh, husband's grandmother just celebrated her second 100th birthday party. And unfortunately, like half the people who came caught COVID. So we're definitely not out of the pandemic yet. But it's it's been a crazy three years. And I would love to jump in and talk about what I've been up to. Yeah. So what have you been up to? Well, outside of work, I've been doing a lot of advocating for retaining women in tech, just not through the podcast. I've given over a hundred recording podcast episodes for other folks and just getting out there around why it's so crucial for engineering leaders to build inclusive and diverse teams. I've also celebrated my five-year wedding anniversary a few months back, and I moved into my dream home right before COVID. I actually got a place where I really loved my backyard because I love hosting folks, and then COVID happened. So I finally got to host my first event a few months back for a diversity uh, barbecue, which I got to reconnect with you at, which was awesome, and uh, have my two pups, Coco and Astro, uh, hanging about. What about you? What have you been up to on the personal side the last couple of years? Well, first, congrats on your wedding anniversary and also uh, moving into your dream home, which now kind of meeting up with you again during the barbecue was a great way for us to kickstart this podcast again. That was something that we had abandoned a little bit because of, you know, work, life, pandemic. And one of the things that I've been up to outside of work is really connecting with folks in different ways, not in person anymore. Clubhouse was a thing for some time, as you might remember. I think Twitter spaces became a thing shortly after that. And there were so many great conversations around women in tech, women in leadership, lots of clubs, lots of spaces around those topics. And Um, Yeah, I spent a bit of time, a little bit obsessed, I'll be honest with you, talking to so many people who were outside of my network that I wouldn't have spoken to and, and really connected with otherwise. The other thing I've been doing is really kind of at, at the very beginning of the pandemic, adjusting to this life, work from home. I've always been co-located uh, at the office, so it was setting up my home instead of going to the gym. How can I get a home gym? going indoors and maybe go running outdoors, grocery delivery, takeout, all of that stuff. I think many people went through and it was quite an adjustment, as you can imagine. And now another adjustment kind of coming out of it, getting comfortable again, going into places where there were a lot of folks. I think the barbecue was probably one of the first places I've been surrounded by so many people all at once in smaller space. Absolutely. And it is getting used to being back in that. It still feels weird to me. I want to go do a retreat somewhere 
And I'm still hesitant to get on a plane. I did get on a plane and flew to Florida to visit my dad in April, and it was fine. But I did end up getting sick on the way back. Thankfully, it wasn't COVID. But still, I, I'm still a little hesitant. So definitely understand the it, it's going to take us a little bit. And back to the different ways of networking and meeting people outside your circle, I totally agree with that. I said I was doing public speaking. What I didn't mention is it was all virtual. And it was great because I actually have now met a huge community in the UK that I didn't think I would have met if the pandemic hadn't happened. Yeah. So there was definitely some positives that did come out of the pandemic. You mentioned your dogs. Uh, I ended up getting a pandemic puppy. She's adorable. She is 60 months old, so still some puppy. And from time to time, I see a, I see a dog come through. <laughs> uh, and she'll, she's a lovely little golden doodle, and she's so adorable. I'm sure she's going to be such a snuggle bunny for the rest of, to, to enjoy for years. So I'd love to hear what you've been up to at Netflix uh, in the last couple of years. Yeah, so I've stuck around at Netflix, uh, as you can imagine, during COVID, it was probably one of the most talked about companies benefiting from, you know, everyone getting locked indoors and nothing else to do. So I continued a lot of the grassroots inclusion and diversity efforts that I started pre-pandemic, trying to scale them, you know, in a distributed manner uh, when everyone is remote was a lot, lot tougher because it was a lot tougher to have hard conversations when people are adjusting to reading each other on Zoom, on Google Meet. So we tried to continue that. It was actually pretty timely to have built the muscle around it because when George Floyd happened, Black Lives Matter, we were a little bit better equipped to speak to our teams about this particular issue and to actually respond in an inclusive manner and ensure that everyone felt like they had the time and space to process everything. And so I I felt like that year there was not just racial injustice, there was also anti-Asian hate, uh, there was burnout just in general, like parents being tasked with working from home with their kids not being able to find childcare and school stopping, right? So there was a lot of that going on. And at the end of it, I'll be honest with you, I actually burned out from really driving all of these efforts and had to step back a bit. Yeah. And I commend you, A, for the effort and being willing to admit that it does cause burnout. And I think we need to be vulnerable about those things because this isn't just one person that needs to be doing this. Like the, you know, similar tile, I, I felt we were able to go into COVID pretty well because I had a community at Tile who cared about building an inclusive culture. But it was really hard in in trying to get those things executed and just dealing with learning how to live your day-to-day life was was exhausting. Yeah. And asking our team members uh, who who are the folks, you know, on the ground trying to get these efforts up and going is really hard to ask, especially when there are so many other things to deal with. And as a leader, when you are trying to coordinate and have everyone on the same page, it it does become a lot more 
intense emotionally, but also mentally. So the good news is that a lot of these efforts have been transitioned to the inclusion diversity team at Netflix. So we do have a separate team who can take this on on a much broader scale. And that is their primary goal. Whereas uh, much of our goal in engineering, this shouldn't be our primary goal day to day, especially if it isn't going to be recognized in the same way. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, it's great that you now have an organization that's really helping partner with the different teams to advocate for these things. How about you? What's uh, been going on at Tile for you in these past few years? Yeah, so I think when we were last doing this, I was the platform engineering director, and so I was helping integrate the Tile technology into the Google ecosystem. And since then, we have also supported um, Amazon Alexas can scan for tiles without needing additional hardware. After that, I ended up working with HP and Intel to integrate the Tile technology into laptops, uh, again, without needing uh, any hardware outside of the laptop, which is pretty cool. And so right before COVID, I was actually doing the most traveling I've ever done for work. I was traveling multiple times a month, visiting the different laptop OEMs. And literally the week before COVID was discovered in Seattle, we were in Houston um, and Austin visiting Dell and HP. And the Friday the COVID was really found in Seattle, we were flying home to the Bay Area and we were supposed to fly to Seattle to go visit Microsoft that Monday. And so it was a very whirlwind start to COVID from going from a time when I was traveling the most I ever had in my life to literally going into isolation. That's so funny. You mentioned travel. Right before COVID, I had a trip plan, and this was to do some consumer research with Netflix in Japan and South Korea. And And COVID had broken out already in, in the region. So we were like, is this a go, no go? And ended up getting canceled. So we had to figure out a way to do this virtually, which was interesting because it did involve kind of staying up really late to watch virtually how consumers were using the Netflix product, especially the mobile products, given that Japan and South Korea, there's quite a large user base of people who use their mobile devices as their primary device, viewing device even. Yeah, that's really interesting. And it is interesting how we really had to adapt to working in this remote environment. I think at Tile, one of the things that also ended up being beneficial is even prior to COVID, all of my direct reports at that time were up in Vancouver at our Vancouver office. And so I was already used to having to manage remotely. I actually only went into the Tile San Mateo office a couple times a week if I happened to even be in the Bay Area at the time. And so I feel we had some of the practices established that really helped set us up to go into COVID and the full remote work life and still doing it in an inclusive fashion. Yeah. And what have you learned throughout that time in terms of being more inclusive, doing distributed work? Yeah. And I think it's really 
taking the time to realize as leaders, our job got harder. Like you, I think you could get away with being an okay, maybe mediocre leader in person. It's much harder in the remote life. You have to know how to have those difficult conversations, how to really over-communicate, right? And and really, inclusion becomes also much more different. You're not seeing each other in a room all day, every day. It can be really easy to just fall back onto old patterns and think, Oh, what's the easiest thing to do? And so I think the biggest thing was really realizing this need to be intentional. And the big thing that I advocated for, you know, you mentioned earlier, everything with George Floyd in the middle of the pandemic. And at that point, I ended up realizing that I truly felt that startups need somebody at the executive team advocating for DEI across everything, across not just HR and hiring and things like that, but thinking about it from the product creation point of view. And so I ended up advocating to end up sitting at the exec team meetings as the head of DEI for Tile to really ensure that we were thinking about this holistically. That's awesome. I think that is very important to have very much top-down support and grassroots support to actually make a change and make this effective. And one one thing that was very interesting during the pandemic is making the decision that, you know, the company that uh, Netflix has been always a co-located in person in the office um, work environment is going hybrid. And so once that decision was made and made broadly top down, it, it really opened the doors for us to recruit beyond just the Bay Area or Los Angeles, where the other headquarters is located. So we actually ended up doing much better in terms of sourcing and having a much more diverse pipeline. And as you can imagine, a lot of hiring happened during the COVID days at Netflix. And yeah, I had a lot of people on board remotely. And that was an interesting process because we had to shift how we buddied with people. Previously, it was so easy to learn through osmosis by sitting down next to a buddy. Now it's like, yeah, it has to be much more intentional, intentional check-ins, increased cadence of touch points, and also ensuring that everyone else is including them intentionally in the meetings that they need to be included in. So I, I thought that that was an interesting shift that actually helped a lot in terms of representation on the team. Absolutely. And I feel we could do an entire episode on onboarding and how to do it successfully, especially in our new remote and hybrid worlds, because I do feel that that is such a crucial piece in the retention space that really needs to be looked at even more now. Yeah. And I think you know, maybe in the past uh, year or so, I think we've had a different kind of change, maybe even in an economic way where coming out of COVID, 
And Netflix is all new over the news again around, oh my gosh, the stock tanked and what's going on, subscriber loss and whatnot. And this is a lot of change. It is a lot of change in a different way. So it is managing and leading through change again. And it's been much more difficult this time, as you can imagine, with layoffs and everything that folks have to deal with. And this is a challenge for everyone. And I think this is broader. And I'm curious to hear from you what kind of changes coming out of the deep pandemic times from 2020, 2021, what what has been a change that you've seen? Yeah, I mean, just there's been so many changes. Like, I feel like it's it's not just the year of change. It's like the years of change and change is going to continue getting I feel like more extreme, which again, going back to something I mentioned earlier, it makes our jobs harder as leaders, right? We are having so much going on that we have no control over. Climate change, the political unrest, the economy. I don't want to bring up politics, but all of that is impacting everybody's day-to-day Plus, whatever's going on in their personal lives, right, which we don't know. And then now all this unrest is directly impacting their work stability. So there's just so much change going on, I feel like, in everybody's life. And again, as leaders, it's really about how do you manage through change? How do you keep people motivated? And that's a totally different skill set that I don't think a lot of managers have been prepared for. Yeah. And I think the pandemic and everything politically, socially has really accelerated the need to kind of build up these skills. And this does impact um, underrepresented folks in tech quite a bit more because if you look at statistically, they tend to be the folks who, who are disproportionately let go during layoffs. And when they are looking for new roles, they are also at a disadvantage. So I think that that could be a great topic for one of our upcoming episodes to talk through what are some things that women can do in particular in these tough economic times to get some of that stability and find ways to find support through their communities. Absolutely. And I think you touched on like the two things that I think are really crucial. One is have a support system, have a community, have a network, right? Have have a place that you can go to, have multiple places, right? You can really go to, because all, we're all going through some stuff right now and we can all support each other. And I think that is so important. Yeah. And I have a question for you in terms of how you've been leading through some of the changes at Tile And I know that there's been a recent acquisition, and that is a very unique kind of change as well. Absolutely. So I will go through the acquisition, but I'm actually going to back up a little bit and and tell you about even more changes I've gone through at Tile. So about a year and a half ago, I was actually promoted to VP of Software Engineering way before we even knew an acquisition was coming. And that was actually interesting because I had that role created for me. I've known my boss for many, many years, and we we complement each other well. He's definitely stronger on the technical side, and I'm stronger on the leadership and people side. And so I really saw an opportunity as we were growing the team to have him be the CTO and really get to focus on the technology side of things. And then I was promoted to VP of Software Engineering, and I really helped with 
people, processes, growing the team and growing the org structure. And so that was really impactful. And I really got to see the team grow from 29 to 55 engineers in four months in the middle of COVID and still keeping an inclusive team. So it was super excited about that. And then we were acquired by Life360 actually in January of this year. And our CEO signed the acquisition deal in October. So it's it's honestly been a really interesting ride just from it's the first time I've ever gone through an acquisition and really had a, a, a been in the room where it happens, like Hamilton says, and, and just kind of seeing what it's actually like, all the due diligence that needs to happen, like the amount of work that just even went into making it happen was insane. And then post-acquisition and just trying to get the teams integrated has been a wild ride. Initially, the companies were planning on keeping the two teams separate for a year, but then due to economic downturn, they decided to combine the teams in April. And so that was done in four weeks, pretty much. And trying to integrate two big companies in four weeks is a very interesting challenge from processes and culture. And I think just stepping back and reflecting, I've just realized how important it is to focus on the people during something like this. Because if you don't, they're the ones that end up being hurt the most during acquisitions, unfortunately. Well, congrats uh, <laughs> on that promotion to VP. I think the the fact that you were able to be in the room to have those discussions is so important. And we could probably spin off yet another episode to talk about how you ended up carving that role, because that's quite unique. I think oftentimes it is not carved out. You know, maybe there isn't the opportunity to carve it out. And what happens in many big companies, it's just there, you, you know, there's an existing system that you kind of have to fall into to get those promotions. And that's exactly what I went through at Netflix. There is a separate process for getting promoted from a manager, frontline manager to director role. And it isn't as, uh, I guess, structured as perhaps Google, Facebook, some of the other fan companies, but it was still a very interesting process to go through to really see what is the difference. And I think there are a lot of conversations around, oh, is it just the same job, but with more people or with managers? I honestly felt like it was, for me, a little bit more organic, but I always felt like I needed to do, like, in my current frontline manager role at the time, I felt like that just wasn't enough. Like, I just felt like I, I could have so much more impact. And in some ways, it's stepping up to realize that, oh, there are other things beyond your current scope that are impactful problems to solve, whether it is an inclusion and diversity, because that's not part of my immediate role, but it is impactful to the company as a whole. If you think about it, that did factor into my promotion process. So I am so grateful that that actually was acknowledged and recognized. That's amazing. Yeah, I think many companies would actually 
have that as a point of strength that they would want to put on someone's promotion packet. So there was obviously much more beyond that, kind of expanding my scope beyond my media team to many other organizations and forming new relationships. As I said, it was growing so quick through the company and having an impact onboarding people outside of the engineering space, onboarding so many people, like that type of work. I think that it's important for anyone and especially for women to be able to point to if they are looking to grow in their careers and make it very visible so that especially if you are in a position where you can't really carve out a role, but at least you can identify those areas where you have been impactful beyond your immediate scope. Yeah. And first, congratulations on your promotion to director, as well as I think the big thing with the impact on the work that you did is it moved the needle. The number of women in leadership at Netflix has actually gone up. And that can be directly tied back to some of the efforts I'm sure that you've done. And so, you know, I think we need to all be recognizing these things. So congratulations for that. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. So what are you up to now? What's next in your life and at Netflix and in general? Well, let's say restarting this podcast is certainly one of the things I'm really excited about. Connecting to even more folks especially now that we can get back in person and and meet and travel around. I certainly would love to do a bit more traveling for sure, whether for work or, you know, for fun, right? Just making time for that. Uh, Next step, certainly thinking about what do I really want? And I think the pandemic and everything, all the other changes around it has really accelerated like, oh my gosh, I need to be on top of things because they're, they're moving so quickly. But it is really, I'm, I need to find some time and to pause and think about what is it that I want next in life? It's not just work, right? Like in life and figuring out, is this role the one I want? Or do I want to carve a new role? Or do I want to, for example, take a sabbatical? You know, there's so many things that I, I think... I feel privileged that I can do and to actually pause and think about. I know many people can't do that and have to be in their jobs just to be able to pay their bills and whatnot. But for me, I definitely feel like the next step is really to, yeah, kind of go through some of those questions around what do I really want? Because I think oftentimes you're almost told what you should do next. And especially for women, it's like, oh, you should have a family next or, oh, you should keep climbing that ladder next or you should have a child and so on. And so I think this is a good opportunity at this point for me personally to do that deep thinking and figure out where's that path going to lead me. Awesome. That is a great adventure. And I love the fact that you're slowing down to take the time to do that reflection. It's something I've been doing a lot of in the last year is figuring out what do I want to do next? And that actually kind of share comes to what I am up to next, which is so actually I decided this in October, right around the time that this Life360 acquisition uh, was uh, happening. 
I actually put in my notice at Tile, and it happened to be the day that our CEO signed the pre-acquisition deal. And you might ask, where was I going to go? What was I going to do? And I realized I've loved the inclusive culture I've been able to build at Tile. And I've truly realized that engineering is one of the biggest teams that has the biggest impact, really, when it comes to inclusion. And yet engineering leaders are not being trained in how to build inclusive and diverse teams. And they can be high performing, high performing teams. You can lead them with empathy and compassion. And so I really realized, you know, I've done this at one company, but if I keep doing this one company at a time, I'm not really going to fulfill my mission of retaining women in tech. You know, what inspired this podcast to start, you know, three and a half, four years ago was this mission that I want to stop this 56% of women leaving the tech industry after 10 to 20 years. And I truly believe that working with engineering leaders is the way to do so. And so I'm going to start my own small business doing engineering leadership coaching focused on building high performing teams through empathy and compassion. And now Obviously, back in October, what was going through the the Tile CEO's head was like, oh, crap, I can't lose uh, my VP of engineering. We're about to go into an acquisition and we're supposed to keep the company separate. And so I ended up negotiating, sticking around for six months after the acquisition was signed to help through the transition and get the project I was working on, which is the Webry platform, out the door. And so that's what I've been up to. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, that that all kind of went up in the air a little bit when they decided to merge the the companies. So I ended up having to announce that I was leaving back in uh, April, because if not, people were really curious why I hardly had a team left <laughs> after they merged the, the companies. I'd only had the web team. And so I'm really excited to figure out what I want to do next, right? And it's going to be an in- a combination of things. I really realized it's it's about the variety too, right? I, I want to be doing engineering leadership coaching. I want to be doing technical advising for companies to help them get their technology out the door. I want to be doing board advising for companies. I also want to be traveling. Like, I don't want to work 50 hours a week anymore. Like, I want to work 20 to 30 so I can volunteer my time also in doing things related to what I want to advocate for in this world. So I think there's going to be a lot of change going on. And also, obviously, restarting this podcast is amazing and something I'm so excited about. Well, uh, congrats for your decision to go into engineering leadership coaching. I think that is much needed throughout the industry and wish you all the best on this new adventure. Uh, Thank you. And I'm sure we'll end up talking about it more on the podcast. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, it was great catching up with you this week. And uh, why don't we end with our retaining wit tip of the week? Let's start with our tip of the week today is going to be around self-care. For me, I like to get out in nature at least 15 minutes a day, even if that's just sticking my feet in the grass in my backyard a little bit. But it's something about being connected to earth, I think, really shifts my mindset for me. What about you? Yeah, disconnecting from the news and social media 
it's been a thing I've been doing much better at now with my uh, puppy. Puppy has forced me to actually go out and take walks. So again, to your point, getting out in nature. But I think the side effect is really leave the phone at home when you do that. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you all for listening to our latest episode. And we're going to be back with our interviews and other episodes. So definitely keep listening to us. All right. See you next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Retaining Wit podcast. You can keep up with our latest episodes at retainingwit.com on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast shows.